Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2162. Buckle up because today we're going to be talking about Corvettes and racing. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Brooklyn, New York, with a very special guest by the name of Jan. Hi, Jan. Welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Hey, that sounds great, Mark. We're going to have some fun. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we dive in the world of racing Corvettes, what's one little thing that people may not know about you, Jan? Well, uh, <laughs> I guess uh, maybe I'm kind of a bit of a secret, uh, call me maybe a, a nerd below the surface, but I have been tracking Corvette race cars since uh, gosh knows when, and we've tracked them all, and, and that's probably underwater for a lot of people, but uh, it's becoming a little more to the surface, and that's what we like to talk about a little bit today. Absolutely. We're going to dive deep into that world. So let me give you a proper introduction. Jan Hyde is a race historian who has had a passion for Corvettes when he began racing back in 1956. According to Jan, he has been obsessed with Corvettes since he saw the light of day. That begs the question... Was, were you born in a Chevrolet dealership? Maybe we'll find out today. His heroes were Don Yanko and Dr. Dick Thompson, who piloted leading-edge vets back in the day. Jan could be the only historian who has tracked all Corvette race cars through every era via his registry of Corvette race cars. He still owns and drives a 1960 Fuley. Jan has given presentations at the International Motor Racing Center at Watkins Glen, at the Monterey Historic Races, at Corvettes at Carlisle, at the Corvette Fun Fest in Illinois, and at gatherings of the NCRS and the Solid Axle Corvette Club. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsor, so give them a little love. They're the ones that keep the gas in the tanks here, and we'll be right back. Covercraft has the most complete line of custom seat covers available. Choose between the polycotton seat savers, Endura Precision Fit custom seat covers, Leatherette Precision Fit custom seat covers, and their durable Carhartt seat covers. They're all easy to install and remove, and guess what? They're machine washable too. Easy cleanup to make them look brand new. No more worries about the kids spilling on your seats or your pets damaging your expensive upholstery or leather. Covercraft's quality seat covers protect from damaging pet claws, pet fur, hair, mud, moisture, food, drink spills, drool from permanently damaging your vehicle's fine surfaces. Headrest and armrest covers and color options are also available on many of the styles. And I've got a great offer for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21 at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping with the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Visit Covercraft.com today. I was talking with a buddy of mine the other day and he asked me about American Collectors Insurance. He said, while I listen to you on Cars Yeah, you're always talking about agreed value collector car insurance. Well, I insure all my cars on my regular auto insurance policy, and I've done it for years. Why use a different company for my collector cars? I get a multi-car discount. Isn't that good enough? I suggested he call his carrier and ask how much he would get if his collector car was totaled 
are stolen. He called back and said, boy, that was a scary conversation. Their value of my car wasn't even close to what it's really worth. Thank you for the education, Mark. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you receive with an agreed value policy. American Collectors Insurance has been protecting enthusiasts since 1976. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green's at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance, designed by collectors for collectors, automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Jim Canova is a past guest here on Cars Yeah, and he's detailed over 8,000 vehicles. And that kind of professional experience leads to innovation. He was tired of uncomfortable stools and creepers and being down on his knees when detailing cars. So as a result, Jim thought, you know what, there must be a better way. And he invented the Bumby Seat. His unique design gets you off your knees and your bum onto a far more comfortable seating position for all your low-level automotive detailing. The Bumby Seat, with its patented full-flat design, allows you to adjust your position to the task at hand. Convenient side trays hold your car care products, tools, cloths, or a tasty beverage. Built for the toughest driveways and garage tests, the Bumby Seat has wheels that roll easily over almost any surface, and it makes a great around-the-home adjustable stool for hobbies, yard work, or take it to the car show. The full-flat design makes storage a breeze. Jim has launched an Indiegogo fundraiser and you can get in on the start of what's sure to be an industry favorite. Go to Indiegogo.com and type in Bumby Seat, that's B-U-M-B-E-E Seat, to be one of the first in line to start improving your automotive detailing experience today. That's Bumby Seat on the Indiegogo.com website. A fun folding mobile seat design. So, Jan, we are back. So we're going to dive a little deeper into the corner, as I always say, and ask you to share a little bit more about what you're up to, because this registry of Corvette race cars is massively extensive. And it's a project that uh, I think you call collection to the race car collection to the Mac. So tell us how this all came about. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it, uh, Mark. But first, if uh, I might, I need to tell you folks about an event I just got back from that seems sure to resonate among the Corvette world for some time to come. Cool. At Lime Rock Park over Labor Day, there were incredible displays, panel talks, along with vintage races. And I hope we can touch on that later in the program. But getting back to your question, Mark, We've been working maybe obsessed is a better term on what we call the Corvette race car collection to the max. Wow, what's that all about? Well, the collection consists of catalog records for some 2,000 or more Corvette race cars and a who's who list of the folks that drove them. So picture this, each catalog record, if you're a computer person, you know, you might be touching on something and you hit on a file and it opens up and it's got words and pictures and all that stuff. 
So each catalog record describes a particular car and shows photos and has a chain of ownership and history and stories and update and video and the like. And, you know, for example, some of these that showed up this past weekend, bing, you know, I can sit there and add that in. So uh, a lot of people say maybe we're like a Wikipedia in that sense, but I hope that's not such a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> say what you will. Viewers can sort through generations, the C1 straight axle through the C8 mid-engine today, and there are Corvettes and drivers and race series in which they ran in various eras, as that's the case. So, Mark, I'm kind of coming in where you might ask, well, that strikes me off the bat as a good fit maybe for an auto museum. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we hope so, because we think it's a great way for auto museums to add value to what they do. Say you want to find all about a Corvette that Roger Penske acquired when he first started his racing team, and that was back in February 1966. Uh, I presume everyone knows who Roger Penske is today, and people know him for IndyCars, but believe it or not, when he was starting off and he was a very successful racer, uh, he got tapped on the shoulder and said, hey, Roger, you know, uh, we think it'd be a good idea if you start off with a Corvette. Now, let's also say you have an itch about the last car, the late Paul Newman, the actor, a.k.a. PLN, because he didn't want anybody to know his name, but that's his racer moniker. And he raced until he turned 83, and that car was a C5 generation GT1 Corvette with Trans Am history. And incidentally, that car was part of a fabulous dedication ceremony to Paul this past weekend because the track at Lime Rock, it's all right turns. There's a left and then it has a, a, this winding straight that line, was this uphill right turn. And that's always been called the no-name straight. And there was this neat dedication where all these people gathered on a hill and they unveiled this sign that's now known as a Paul Newman straight. So I thought that was pretty cool. I just saw that <laughs> this morning on my, my social media feed and I went, well, that's pretty cool because those of us who are into cars, we know Paul Newman and his prowess for racing. The guy was an incredible racer. Uh, those who followed his Hollywood stardom, of course, may not know that or may have thought, well, maybe this is just a little hobby thing, kind of like Steve McQueen and his racing. But, you know, it begs the question with what you're compiling. Uh, you've probably heard this before. A book? Oh, far from it. <laughs> I love books. And, and it's funny, I've been having a lot of fun going back and forth. I won't want to remember her name, but this person is the preeminent authority, not only a Corvette's portion of the thing, and he has written books and articles, and uh, we're, we're jesting each other because he has the ultimate book, and I think maybe that's the Encyclopedia Britannica. It's wonderful. <laughs> and maybe we can help out by being the Wikipedia. We're just this minnow, but you know, it really gets me excited if folks who can say, well, no, books are no good anymore, forget them, and what's all this online stuff? Uh, it, it's like, you know, merging gas-powered cars to electric. We're all going to get along. This is going to all work out. You know, I like to ask about inspiration in people's lives, mentors, and, and so forth, but I want to go back with you a bit and ask the question, what got you hooked on Corvettes. What is it about Corvettes? And I kind of joke that, you know, were you born in a in a Chevrolet dealership and that was the first car you saw? Well, uh, far from it. But uh, of course, those who may recall, the first Corvette was exhibited 
in early January in New York City uh, at an event the GM held at the time called the Motorama. And uh, when you looked at this thing, I mean, this was the most beautiful, sexiest thing you ever saw. And there were tons and tons of reactions to it. And I think that was a big help that convinced General Motors to produce this car, uh, the first one coming off the line on June 30th of 1953. So, you know, I was a young guy at the time, but that kind of got me and a lot of other people excited about it. Well, no doubt. And you think about 1953. I mean, we had just come off of not too long ago, a horrible world war and things were rapidly changing in the United States. I mean, there was this burgeoning of optimism in things happening in the United States. And the car manufacturers, Chevrolet, of course, came out with this uh, crazy idea of this beautiful sports car, which it's one of those cars that has stood the test of time. I mean, Corvettes are still around. Uh, the only other cars I can think of off the top of my head that are still around in kind of their base form is the Mustang, but they're talking about doing away with that. Uh, the Porsche 911, of course, uh, that evolution and how that's gone over, I think, gosh, almost 70 years, even going back to the 356. But Corvettes have this place in America's heart and when you think about Corvettes to you, uh, what was it that originally got you hooked to where you, and, and I'll go back to the first Corvette you ever were able to get in and drive. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the thing that got me really hooked is, I think you mentioned, I grew up in Pittsburgh, and uh, when I was in my formative years, uh, I guess college and that sort of thing, uh, there was a wealthy sportsman by the name of Grady Davis who worked for Gulf Oil, and he wanted to go racing. And there had been some Corvettes racing uh, a little bit before Grady Davis got in, but this was a hometown guy, and as I think you or I mentioned, he hired a driver by the name of Don Yanko, who had a Chevy oh, yeah. dealership. Yanko, yeah. <laughs> and the, and the, the quote, the flying dentist, Dr. Dick Thompson from Washington, D.C., and Grady Davis was the team to beat uh, in a period of the early 60s. Now, you might say the team to beat. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, terrible things happened if you were a Corvette enthusiast before that. I say terrible because folks may not know that the history of the Corvette, uh, we talked about this beautiful thing, it turned out that the thing didn't run very fast. It had all the crudities of the European sports cars, like side curtains and some of the stuff, but the thing really couldn't handle, and it just didn't sell to very many people. Mm -hmm. So this this car was headed for the dustbin, and... Uh, the uh, the the folks at General Motors were a little upset about this, uh, maybe a matter of pride, because the Ford Thunderbird had come out, as you recall, and maybe it wasn't a true sports car, but they were selling a lot of those. And uh, this car was uh, headed for uh, uh, the, the bucket. So what what happened is uh, there's a fellow named Zora Arcus Duntov. Maybe folks have heard of him. Oh yes. <laughs> He, he was a European engineer with a sports car, with a racing background, and he had attended that show in uh, New York City, and he argued and got himself employed by Chevrolet. And when it didn't sell, uh, it's funny, I wish I could have appreciated that, but uh, 
he spoke with a thick Russian accent, and I could listen to him all day. But <laughs> <laughs> he had to communicate, you know, with your typical white collar uh, executives at General Motors. But in any event, he wrote a letter and he convinced those folks that uh, if, if you could not turn this car into something that would perform on a racetrack, uh, it was it was toast. And and he did exactly just that. And the time was very short. Uh, this was a period before the 12 hours of Sebring was approaching in March of 1956. So four Corvettes were quickly prepared to race. And uh, by dint of luck, or as John Fitch, who was uh, drove one of the winning cars, said, it, it was uh, more than we deserved, and uh, <laughs> uh, we survived, and we're going to try to make the best of it. You know, you think about it, what was going on at the time, mid-50s coming up, Cold War looming, and a guy with a thick Russian accent telling a bunch of American car makers what they needed to do. Uh, I would have liked to have been a fly in the wall in that room. But he was right, and if you think about sports cars, many sports cars that have been designed and developed went on to be race cars, successful, and that kind of led the cause that kind of concept, I think it was Ford's concept of uh, race on Sunday, sell on Monday, but it worked across the board. So if we go back to Corvettes and Corvette racing, why is the heritage with Corvette racing so important to you specifically, but also to the history of GM and the United States and sports car racing? And dare I ask the question, why should we care? Uh, that's great, and Mark, uh, you really hit a nerve with me because you're a you're a, you are a true historian. I know that from <laughs> listening to you before and now. And it's important to understand that uh, at the time when uh, they went racing in 1956, everybody was really hyped up and say, "Oh boy, next year we're going to do better." And uh, in fact, uh, they created a Corvette to run in the prototype class, uh, and that was for all the big boys against the Ferraris, the Maseratis, the Jaguars. And uh, you might recall they created this swoopy-looking, beautiful, it's called the Corvette SS. Mm. And by the way, that car was on display at Lime Rock this past weekend. Oh, nice. And uh, everybody, everybody was uh, excited about that. And it's interesting also that uh, styling is very important. And that car arrived late at Sebring. And John Fitch uh, had a, a kind of a... A mule car that they tested a lot there, but long story short, uh, they raced the car. It failed a little part, failed in the rear suspension. Uh, but every said, okay, we'll get them next time. We're going to go to Le Mans. But bingo! Uh, right after that race in March, General Motors and the uh, Ford and uh, I guess the other manufacturers thought, hey, we're getting a little carried away here. Uh, we're going to do a, a ban on racing. It's it's not safe. It's all these other things we shouldn't be doing. And Ford actually forgot about that a few years later, but General Motors, as an exception, did not. And most folks don't really appreciate that, but I have to say this. Mark, you would probably remember those times. Uh, the head of uh, General Motors was a man named Charles Wilson, who Eisenhower then recruited as his Secretary of Defense. And Charles Wilson went online, went out there and said, what's good for General Motors is good for the country and vice versa. And if you said that today, you'd say, oh, my God, uh, we better duck. The feds are going to come after us. <laughs> yeah, no and, kidding. And General Motors, they were selling 
50% of the cars in the market. So people say, oh, shucks, why did those idiots uh, get out of racing Corvettes? And listen, if my neck depended on having a job <laughs> the next day and surviving, it's a pretty, it's a pretty obvious uh, answer. So in any event... Uh, you know, by the time I hooked up and got uh, excited about Grady Davis, all the people who were racing Corvettes were privateers. But the really, really cool thing is that the 283 Corvette engine, which Ed Cole designed, you mentioned about longevity. Uh, Mark, if you look back, there are still strains of that engine today. It's one of the most incredible things. And the uh, racers at the time... Uh, they could buy this thing cheap. You could get it at a dealer and, you know, buy a Corvette. And the competition at that time were Jags and Mar Mercedes that cost a whole lot more to race. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of an answer to your question that kind of got this thing going and got me excited about cataloging them. Yeah, it's very, very cool. We're going to take a short break. Think some more sponsors here. We come back. We'll continue this talk. So keep the seatbelts on. You listeners know that I'm a huge car care fanatic, and my friends at AutoGeek created their Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant for perfectionists like you and me. Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant is designed to provide long-lasting protection and a glossy, slick finish that, well, it's unmatched. The use of polymer technology ensures your paint is protected from environmental contaminants, those damaging UV rays, and lasts up to three months long. By providing the glossy look of Carnuba Wax with the longevity of a synthetic formula, Wolfgang a Deep Gloss Paint Sealant is the best of both worlds. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. Autogeek.net is where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. You know what? We are all wired differently, and not everyone needs to go to a four-year university. Technical education and the skilled trades matter, and one can build a solid career as an auto, diesel, or collision technician. There are no longer blue-collar jobs. They're new-collar careers, as the technology and skill sets have become so advanced. Support career and technical education by getting involved with TechForce Foundation. It's a Cars Yeah! charity of choice. Learn more at techforce.org. So tell us how you plan on getting this project out there and sharing this passion you have and this information you have other than here at Cars, yeah? 
Well, yeah, that's a that's a big challenge. Everybody today, with all the media and the things that are out there, uh, it's the challenge. We're never going to be uh, what you would call something to the mass media. But I have been encouraged because a lot of folks said, uh, and some in high places, hey, keep this up. Nobody's been doing this. And uh, it's a pretty nice way of fulfilling their legacy. And in the meantime, uh, it's interesting. While I've never met Miles Collier, who's probably been your guest, and yes. you got to rank Miles Collier is right up there at the very top. I mean, one of his great sayings is, we're about preserving the future of the past. Mm. So uh, I say maybe Corvettes are more like uh, rare birds. I'm not uh, saying anything against Porsches and Ferraris. Some of them are pretty cool, but there are plenty of them out there, and they're faceless, and they buy them, and they race them, and they retire them, and they, they kind of forget about them. And, you know, when's the last time that folks really fell for uh, an AMG, a BMW, an Audi, or a Porsche came in? I'm talking about people in the United States. Mm -hmm. And yet, if you talk about the Corvette, oh, gosh, I remember those, or I knew a friend who had one of those, or there was a neat Corvette shop in town. So that's kind of uh, how I look at the answer. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Miles was a guest here on Cars Yeah. He's got a wonderful book out, and of course, he's responsible for the Revs Institute, which is all about preservation and history. He had two wild cars on display at Laguna Seca during car week. The race is uh, some Cadillacs. One was very different looking. I'll put it that way. But that collection of Le Mans cars was incredible. But uh, Miles is great. If any of you listeners missed my talk with him, uh, go back. I had a chance to run into him uh, on the lawn at Pebble and also at uh, Retromobile during car week and talk to him a little bit, which was fantastic. You know, one of the things I note about what you're doing with the collection is that it can shed a lot more light on Corvette race cars than the actual cars themselves. Could you elaborate on that thought? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and one of the keys to that is when we started, uh, technology was different and we had a database. And the time came when uh, we got the tap on the shoulder and said, you know, we're going to shut this down. It's not going to go anywhere. So you better scramble and do something. And I found out about a, uh, a, a, a service published by the museum software company. They have a web edition. So we converted all the data we had, and it's really in this cool digital kind of uh, access. So we have this, and, and so I think we're the only customer of the museum software that doesn't have, uh, in addition, uh, statues and artwork and things like that. But, but that's not a problem. And as we got back before shedding the, 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 the concrete material onto the digital, I think it's been a nice compliment so people can access that. And of course, just like you, I don't think we're as, as professional. We send out newsletters and emails and we manage a Facebook page and we go to shows. And I mean, this past weekend was the best example. I don't want to pat myself on the back, but you know, I couldn't walk around there for more than 20 minutes and someone's running up to, Hey, how are you doing? And coming. <laughs> so. You know, it comes just down to showing up good old word of mouth and yeah. you try to do this. Oh, definitely. And, you know, that's a nice little segue into what you just experienced over Labor Day. You touched on it at the beginning of our talk. Can you talk a little bit more about what you saw there and what the experience was like? Well, 
I'm kind of uh, distilling it right now. Maybe sh- everybody should call me a distiller, <laughs> although uh, I try not to drink too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The, th- the things that uh, broke out came in, in, in three areas, and the first one uh, was the display, and as I mentioned, I'm interested in all the things from the Heritage Center, but we're just going to focus on the race cars, but it was incredible because uh, I had the good fortune, I, they won't let you in there, but I, it's right next to the Heritage Center, this big warehouse. And they're busy 24-7 preparing cars and shipping them out. So General Motors spent the money to send about 10 or 12 cars back to Lime Rock, some being race cars. And so that was pretty cool. And those cars were on display, and they were also complemented by some other great collector race cars. And so that was in and of itself uh, enough to attract a crowd. But then when you you can have the opportunity to do panel discussions, and both nights, they have a big, nice tent that probably holds a couple hundred people there, Mark. And the first night, if you were a competitor or you were someone like myself, you go in there and they served a beautiful full-course meal and then would have a panel discussion. And the panel discussion that night was moderated by Mike Joy. Anybody know who Mike Joy is? Mm, I think a few listeners know who Mike Joy is. <laughs> One of the greatest narrators does all the NASCAR and Barrett-Jackson shows, and he led a wonderful panel about Trans Am racing and Corvettes and so forth. And then the second night was another dinner such as that, and they had uh, a fellow named Lowell Paddock, who used to race at uh, work at GM, and Lowell was a big part of organizing this. And Lowell organized a panel uh, among some of the stylists which included a fellow named Mark Simcoe, who is the designer of the C8. And then uh, some folks may call uh, uh, John Cafaro, who did the C4. And they had a couple of those. And we had questions and answers and going back. So uh, you cannot, this is like the genie out of the bottle. If you get a chance to listen to these people, it is irreplaceable. And then back to what really excites me. You know, I'm a vintage racer, and they had vintage races there, and there were a number of Corvettes in there, and they're slamming around the track. And what really made me feel good is a fellow I know uh, who races a C2, that's a fastback Stingray, but it's a pretty well-prepared car, uh, had his son, Scott Heckert, who's a professional racer, race at Lime Rock. And he beat these lightweight Jags and other of these hot shots around a really tricky course. You know, it's almost like a, like a skating ring. And so that made me feel pretty good also. Yeah, no kidding. I think it's cool. Let's go back in time a little bit. The catalog that we've been talking about, this registry, if you will, how did that first come about? What started you on this crazy venture? Well, what started me out, and it's funny, yesterday at Lime Rock, I uh, was talking to somebody who had a really nice Z06 big tank car, and they asked, do you know Jim Gester? I said, Jim Gester? I said, I wish I never met him in my life. I was just <laughs> jesting, but I, I've known Jim for years, a California guy, and Jim is as obsessed as, as all of us, and he was starting a, uh, a database and he was doing these C straight axles, and he knew I owned and raced those things. And he, he had them uh, kind of on these Excel sheets, and I'm not very good at that, but he I, I, he sent me his pages, and I, I, I think I still have an astigmatism from looking at those. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that can happen. 
I said, we need to start a website. We were pretty naive, but that's kind of how it all got started. And then uh, Jim is really into the straight axles and the stingrays, and I knew a fellow named Wayne Elwood from Canada who was just as dedicated, and uh, I got Wayne to come along, and he probably knows more about C3 sharks. And then he and I, we picked up the ball doing C4, C5, C6, and uh, both those folks, when we switched to digital, and I can't blame them, they work their heart off, and if I ever see any real money out of this thing, I owe them. But, uh, Mark, this is how we got this, and it's really cool. Like with the C8 today, there are only five of them built, but, hey, I can handle them myself. I get pictures, I got the data, boom, 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 boom. So there they are. They're cataloged forever, and I hope that's helpful to people. Yeah, well, the thing about history is that unless we record it properly or somebody records it properly, you look at it and you think those are the facts, Jack. And sometimes sometimes they're not. But once you got this thing started, what was the evolution of it? I mean, it sounds like it was a little snowball that started to build and build and build. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Well, I, again, I don't want to mention names, but uh, I, I mentioned early I had some encouragement. And somebody has encouraged me who sits at, I guess I'd say the nexus of, uh, uh, if you look at the people who are running uh, NASCAR and IMSA, and if you're looking at the efforts they are doing to create their own museum and Hall of Fame, uh, I have been told, uh, hey, this is great. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, we all know that timing uh, is probably, if I had to pick one factor, uh, probably the most important thing in expanding your business. So that's the game I'm playing. I am hopeful by uh, maybe uh, next this December, January, we're going to have some exciting things to announce. And I think it's like anything else. If someone gives you something, will you say, well, that's great, but what can I use it for? But if someone presents you with a gift that you always have thought about and you have to work on and say, oh, that's really what I always wanted, and let's work together to make it into something. Uh, I don't think it can get better than that. So that's what I'm hoping for. You know, one of the things that comes to mind, because I used to be a vintage racer, is that we buy these vehicles and we're given the history. And I had a car that I raced that was given the history of who had raced it, and it turned out wasn't exactly True. And that creates some challenges. Sometimes it changes valuations and so forth. So as you're putting this all together and you're tracking old Corvettes and their history and their prowess, no doubt you've uncovered some things that maybe aren't what people thought they were. Does that happen? Oh, no, no. Oh, no question. But, you know, I thought about it also in the bigger world. If you're collecting art or you're collecting sculpture, you're collecting all this other stuff, there's always fakes and phonies or people say, I had that or this was mine. And uh, we're not, we're never going to be the arbiter. In fact, even someone as uh, important as Miles, uh, what I love about Miles is that People think he's the authority and he knows everything, which is, he does. But if you've ever looked through his book, he'll talk about replicas and he'll talk about origins. And uh, the best thing to do is put it out there. And, you know, it's no different than life. Uh, maybe the longer it's out there, it'll come together. And maybe not. But the world kind of sorts itself out, what's important and what isn't. And uh, we've set up a corporation. I can't believe that anybody could ever... Uh, 
you, you can always say you can sue someone, but say, look, here is what we've heard, mm-hmm. and this is what we believe. But you know, we're not re- representing that and saying it's the fact. But absolutely. But I think that's what makes uh, that's what makes life interesting. Well, for sure, absolutely. I always like to ask my guests about a special vehicle story. I mentioned at the beginning you still have a sixty fuel injected Corvette, but I'm going to twist this question up for you a little bit with your knowledge of historic Corvette race cars. If you could pick one to park in your garage, this might be a challenge, but maybe just for today, which one would it be? I mean, what, but not necessarily a car I could drive. But no, I you can like have it. I'm going to I'm gonna go buy it and park it in your garage and it's yours. You can go race it, do <laughs> well, whatever I'm you a, want. I, I have two, I have two answers to that. If I had a car that I wanted to drive for cruising today, they are doing retro mods of these straight axle cars and the design will turn heads. I would love to have one of those because you get in, you turn the key, you run on pump gas. Whereas my car, which I love, you better uh, talk to it nice and get it to start up and <laughs> yeah. get the right fuel in it and watch where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I like the fact that it has the history. But then the other uh, part of the uh, uh, answer I'd like to throw out is uh, the C4 Corvette. If you recall, that was an all-new design. And the stri- the C3 Corvette, that's that shark-looking thing, you know, with mm-hmm. the, uh, the fenders and the narrow body. Mm-hmm. And as you know, that car came out in 1968, and they tried to kill it for many, many years. <laughs> but as things turned out, the economy and everything else, GM just kept making them. And this is when they came out on a bad hor- uh, emissions and insurance and all this bad stuff. Yeah. And ironically, they sold a lot of those cars. So finally, that car got done in 1982. There was no 83 Corvette, so then the C4 came out. And people started racing these in different uh, SCCA and other uh, sanctioning bodies. But uh, well before that, other people were building what they call tube frame chassis. Uh, and, And so... Uh, the Corvette was late to do this, and there was a tube frame chassis that existed. That means by that adjustable front and rear, okay? Yeah. And they came out with a silhouette C4 body. There were a couple, but the one I really love was came out in, I think, 1988. And those things had a 366 NASCAR engine, which, as you know, is a killer. <laughs> yeah. And the look of that thing, I mean, it almost looks like Darth Vader. And the neat thing is... The aerodynamics, I mean, nobody thought about that, but I have a friend who did a video, and if you go walk around that car, all four corners at the top, it's the coolest thing. So that would be my favorite. There you go. You kind of surprised me with that answer. Hmm, interesting. That answer, or that question always surprises me. Uh, I think what I think people will like, but then it's usually not right. So there you go, uh, trying to get into people's heads a little bit. So what's next for this project? Where are you, where are you going with this? Well, as I mentioned, uh, people tell you, I think it was Hurley Haywood, he gave the greatest advice to racers. He said, keep your head down, uh, don't do anything stupid, let the race come to you, take advantage when things happen. And uh, that's pretty much my philosophy. A lot of people have lost races thinking they were going to go out and win it on the first lap. And some people have lost races because maybe they should have made their move a little earlier but you're always going to be around for another day. And it reminds me, you know, the old investment advice, they asked these sage investors, what's the secret of your success? <laughs> and the answer was, I always sold too soon. 
Uh, boy, and that's the case. Yeah, exactly. So here's an interesting question for you. I'm going to, I send all my guests on what I call the ultimate drive. I'm going to buy you any car. You can take it for a drive, but here's the key to this that makes the question interesting. You can take anybody with you. So if you'd want to bring back Zora or somebody from the past to go for a ride, I'm guessing this is going to be in a Corvette. Uh, you can do that. So what does that ultimate drive look like for you, Jan? Uh, that's, uh, you know, timing is everything. <laughs> uh, it would, it would be a C8 Corvette. Okay. okay. Yeah. And I would want Zora as my passenger. Yeah. Cause he always dreamed of having the mid-engine car and I would love to listen to him talk anyway. But the funny thing is I'm coming back from Lime Rock yesterday and, uh, my everyday driver is a 2004 Mini Cooper S. Okay. And there, that car is more car than I can handle. I've taken <laughs> to the track. But anyway, I'm coming down this stretch of a two lane highway, Route 22. You don't get a chance to pass too much and there's a guy cruising along in a c8 corvette and i got my car wound up and you know i was going to pass him coming down the street and he then revs his cars up and he's trying to keep me from passing in okay (laughs) well (laughs) that that's your typical corvette driver that's okay no problem but any event i drop back and i flash my blinkers at him but you know it's kind of fun you ask me I would like to have that car, and hopefully I would behave better than the guy I tried to pass. But you never know. You well, never you know. know, in that little Mini Cooper, you were just that little annoying gnat in his ear. Uh, you know, that's what I can say. We've had two uh, Mini Coopers in our family. Great, fun little cars. I mean, you just have to put a smile on your face when you're in that car. And it begs me to ask the question, your opinion of the C8, I mean, radical change. I, I That car, to me... They really did some stuff there. And I look at that thing and I just came back from car week and I saw those all over the peninsula. And every time one was coming up, my first thought, and I'm sure people have heard this before. Oh, here comes another Ferrari. No, wait, that's a Corvette. They're really cool. There's no question, but I was lucky to uh, get to Carlisle in 2019 before the disease, which you may recall is where they unveiled the C8. Mm -hmm. And uh, just by looking at the platform of that car, uh, I'm I'm an engineer, but I don't practice it, but I think my eye is pretty good. I said, wow. I think they designed a car that will, uh, it's going to work as a hybrid and it's going to work as an all electric. And of course, uh, the folks at the design, uh, uh seminar last week, uh, this weekend, nobody's going to say that, but you know that's coming and it's just a matter of when. And the other thing is I happen to live near a Tesla dealer. And if you go to a Tesla dealer and you look at that thing and the way it's designed, It's really like a skateboard, and you can do all kinds of things with it, and they've already done it with better motors and this stuff. So that's the the long answer to your question. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I don't remember the number, but I read a couple weeks ago that GM, they can't even begin to produce as many cars as they can sell. I mean, they've got such a backlog of that car of people wanting to buy them. So, uh, yeah. They'll, they'll be around for some time. You know, we could talk for a long time about this. And in a moment, I'm going to share how people can learn more about what you're doing. But before I let you go, you've taken us on a really fun ride today, Jan. I'd love for you to share some parting words of wisdom or inspiration. Well, it's real simple with me. 
uh, I used to be criticized for opening my mouth too much, <laughs> and I've learned that lesson, and I've learned it well. And with so much out there today, uh, I don't care if it's a young, medium, old, whether what color you are. Or race, I gain more by listening and learning from other people than anything else. And if I can add anything at the time, that's good. And then maybe sometimes I go back home and a day later, a week later, boom, something occurs to me. So I feel very blessed in that sense. But on the other hand, uh, I'm also uh, beholden to people who are a lot smarter than me, and they're giving their own advice. So uh, I guess uh, it's always a, a, a two-edged thing. Well, absolutely. It reminds me of Stephen Covey's great book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think it's habit five. First, listen to understand, then speak to be understood. And uh, I've tried to practice that <laughs> yeah. the same. How can people learn more about you, Jan, what you're doing, uh, get get involved, uh, learn more about the registry of Corvettes race cars? Well, the easiest thing is to uh, search. It's www.registryofcorvetteracecars.com. There's also a very good chance that if you Google Corvette race cars, we're going to pop up. But you get on the website, and uh, it's geared for people who are as fun and flighty on Facebook, <laughs> and it's geared for people who want to get onto a calendar because I write up and catalog all the races that Corvettes participate in on a calendar that's going back to 2014, so you can do that, and you can go on some other areas and uh, it's not a free proposition to access our catalog at this time, but it's it's pretty cheap if people want to do it. And uh, again, my uh, my hope is that folks will be acquainted with that. And also, maybe uh, as people have told me, uh, one of my favorite events is uh, at Daytona in uh, early November called the HSR Classic. And they have corrals and Corvettes and that. And if you can get to, and maybe at the Daytona 24, your, your person who's parked out there in the corral, hey, yeah, we have a pretty good handle on some of these uh, older cars and it makes us feel a lot better about what we're doing. Uh, that's, that's, I would love to see that happen. Well, I'll make sure I put links on Jan's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Just go in and type in Jan Hyde in my search box. You'll find his page. You can reach out. You can learn a whole lot more. And I want to do a, a quick shout out to our mutual friend, Al Satterwhite. He introduced me to Jan. Al, thank you very much. He's a past guest here on Cars yeah. That's how I find a lot of my guests as past guests. Jan, hey, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise about Corvette race cars. Wow, I think it's a wonderful thing you're doing anytime we can preserve history in a correct way so that those in the future have a source to go back to. That's a pretty darn cool thing. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. That's terrific. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!